and welcome to another episode of Fools Daily. Um, I am joined, as seemingly always, by the wonderful Mr. Matthew Spooner. Hello. Who is slurping coffee. Loudly, because I've got coffee <laughs> and somebody else doesn't. Um, and we have our special guest. A Hello. Special, a special guest, I know. This is James. The, the most special guest you'll ever get. I'm so special. <laughs> In whatever way oh, you, you you obviously haven't met us james <laughs> because we are far more special than you <laughs> well I, you've got coffee and i haven't so yeah draw well, your own conclusions that's true that's true matt is seemingly organized this morning very worried winning it winning at life um so james for Hello. our for our listeners who do not know who you are tell us who you are and quick 30 second um, gaming history. Excellent. Thirty-second gaming history. Hello, I'm James. Um, I am. Uh, I like the games. Uh, <laughs> I, I can do better than that. Wait a second. Um, so yeah, gaming. I've been a gamer for most of my life. I think most people of our ilk generally have. Um, it all kicked off with Hero Quest uh, back in back in the day um, when my dad got me that for my birthday when I was little, and uh, he then regretted getting it for me i think because uh he had to play it with me and it was really not his sort of thing but uh, i was undeterred uh carried on um got into more uh mainstream games workshop stuff uh when i hit secondary school i think uh played a lot of warhammer 40,000 uh big into the old specialist games uh, necromunda gorka morka um battlefleet gothic all those sorts of things uh and then sort of blossomed as time went by and got into all sorts of other stuff. Um, other miniatures games, big into my board games at the moment. Um, and, oh, probably should mention, I've spent the last three years working um, as part of the Games Workshop uh, design studio, as it's not called anymore, but that's what it is. Um, I spent uh, two years in the uh, Citadel Rules team working on uh, Age of Sigma, Warhammer 40,000, uh, produced a few board games as well while I was there. And uh, then for the last year, working as part of the new Specialist Games team. So I was behind the new Blood Bowl relaunch. Um, there's uh, some other stuff on the way, too. And now I've gone freelance, uh, which I'm sure we can talk more about. Okay. Right. Okay, I'm going to start here. One, you sound depressingly young. <laughs> well, oh, depressing. Have you, have you made 30 yet, James? 33, in fact. 33. Right, and that's the end of the interview, then. <laughs> I'll leave. Um, yeah, I know, I know, right? I don't even remember being 33. Yeah, I know. It was many was, years uh... ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I've worked in this industry, which does age you considerably. I think just uh, <laughs> the people you work with, anyway. So... <laughs> but yeah, having met lots of industry people, I, I'll... I'll... So I'll support that. That sounds. Can I at uh, least get a free pass on that one? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, so yeah. Um, oh, we should point out we're not going to talk about any of James's Games Workshop stuff, even yeah. though, even though on his website he has an Adeptus Titanicus thing, which we're <laughs> all really excited about here. We're not going to talk to him about it because you know NDAs and all of that sort. Well, of I can stuff. tell you a little bit. My main thing is what I don't want to do. I don't want to um, be the guy who leaves Games Workshop and goes and does a, a, a dozen podcasts talking all about, oh, well, when I was there, this and that. And it, you, you know, it seems a little bit tacky, I think. So, um, yeah, well, yeah, it does. It, it, you're you're, you're spawn. And, you know, we're not going to talk to you about that because, frankly, 
the fact that you've decided to leave that security blanket of working for, you know, the world's biggest tabletop gaming company to set up on your own. And it's, is it Needy Cat Games or Nerdy Cat Games? Uh, Needy Cat Games, named after my my cat. Uh, His name is not Needy Cat, but he is a very needy cat, especially when games are happening. He loves getting involved. Um, So, you know, we're going to talk, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about why James yeah. made that decision to go, what he's, and what he's looking forward to. And also, I'm waving my arms. I don't know why. I do that <laughs> all the time. I know. Um, also, why, um, where the James feels the industry is. And, you know, I mean, obviously, obviously you feel pretty secure about the industry, James, given that you've left that security blanket to go out oh, on your own. that's a great point. I hadn't thought of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think it's... Well, let's open with a very simple question of, yeah. are you mental? What are you doing? Almost certainly. I mean, so working for Games Workshop in, the, in that position, it's one of the few places where you can work um, a nine-to-five office hours job in a fairly normal office environment, get your sick days, get your holiday and whatever else. And be writing games full time. It's that's an absolute rarity. Um, even, I mean, even the games industry, even though at the moment it's getting it's going through quite a, a massive resurgence. I mean, there are games everywhere at the moment. Even now, there aren't that many places you can do that. So, yeah, this is a bit of a leap of faith, really. Um, especially uh, as yeah, I'm, I'm setting up by myself. Um, it's it's it was reported on. Um, Oh, Tabletop Gaming Magazine did like a, a little piece. I thought it was going to be a little paragraph in amongst some other mm. news, but they uh, did like a front page article on uh, former Games Workshop designer sets up Indie Studio, which is an amazingly grandiose name for my spare room. <laughs> so when, when you go to the aforementioned spare room, do you say, I'll be in the studio? <laughs> I do, to myself. And yeah, I appreciate it every time. Yeah. Um, but no, working from home has got its own advantages. You know, there's no way you can prove that I'm wearing trousers right now, for example. But uh, uh, yeah, but you know. on the, the flip side, you can't prove we are either because we all work, <laughs> we all work from home as well. There you go. In, in the office, that gets a bit awkward, and conversations <laughs> HR sort of tend to happen. You know, but, um, but no. So it's yeah. I think um, the, the decision to do this kind of came about now for a number of reasons. Um, I've wanted for as long as I can remember to design board games, tabletop games. Um, I was recently helping my mum move house and was digging through mountains of crap from my childhood and um, discovered um, oh various bits and pieces. The, f- the first game I wrote was um, a board game based on the film Gremlins, which wasn't great. I mean, the film was great, don't get me wrong, but the board game was, uh, well, you know, I think I was about seven at the time and it probably... <laughs> could have done with more testing uh the design was all over the place in hindsight what was i thinking um but yeah i've wanted to do this sort of thing forever and i think the last few years everything i've done has kind of been building towards this um mm. so even you know when i was in games workshop I, I i loved what i was doing i just was always thinking oh but it would be cool if i could do this for myself and uh have my own input on things uh, I think it's true of any when you're working as part of a big a big business. Um, and I say big business, even though GW is the biggest um, tabletop gaming you know company really for well I think probably in the world uh, in terms of distribution and whatever else. It's still tiny, you know. It's like saying the biggest goldfish. 
you know um it's still a company with probably just over a thousand staff overall which in, in, in terms of uh you know global companies is, mm. is teeny um but all the same i was in this this company and as is the case with any big company, there's always going to be a lot of people putting their oar in and giving you ideas and saying, mm. well, it needs to be more like this or more like this. Um, and I totally get that. And I think it would be crazy for that not to be the case. Um, you'd be putting a lot, a lot of faith in, in one person, for example. Um, but I just really want to give it a go myself, make my own mistake mm. for a change. <laughs> not that I'm not going to do that anyway. You know? <laughs> So, so is so is it um, being not constrained by that GW fluff, the meta that exists within there? Is that what you're looking forward to the most? Creating something outside of Sigma 40k and those sort of two universes. Yeah, to a degree. I mean, I was quite lucky in that. Um, so when I was in the publications department working on the main range of games, I managed to do three. Uh, board games there. So I did uh, Betrayal at Calth, which was a Horus Heresy uh, sort of mm-hmm. squad-based game. I did the uh, Silver Tower uh, uh, Warhammer Quest reboot mm-hmm. and a little fighting game called Gore Chosen. And what was nice with all of those is they were they were self-contained. I, I was able to, even though you know, they're, they're set within the established worlds, there was a lot yeah. of from a rules point of view to kind of go from the ground up. And then again with the specialist games team, I've been able to do I've had quite a lot of scope um to do my own thing um but really i mean it's more a, um, a case of i'd like to explore explore other things so as i say i'm a big board games fan um i would love to write a proper chunky euro game uh mm-hmm. you know get some little wooden blocks moving around a board that sort of thing um because there's certain stuff you can't do with um a tabletop miniatures game that you can do with more abstract stuff you know you're when it comes to miniatures games, especially with Games Workshop, when we were working on, um, say, Betrayal at Calf, um, there were a lot of rules about what could and couldn't be done because there was, of course, the um, licensing agreement with Fantasy Flight Games. So they were producing Games Workshop uh, IP games like Forbidden Stars, hmm. uh, other ones that I can't even think of, or another Horus Heresy board game. And they, uh, I think the rule was they they could deal with um, abstraction and all that sort of stuff. We had to do games which were miniatures on both sides, and you're you're fighting a battle of some kind. Uh, yeah. You can't have you know counters representing bad guys, all that sort of stuff. And it, it just this is a chance for me to kind of step away from that and do my own thing, really. So, a board games where you say you would say your passion, your design passion is rather than tabletop. Yeah, currently. And I don't know if that's just because um, I've done a lot of miniatures, uh, war, uh, war game type stuff for a while now. Um, I find that in my in my, in my own you know, gaming life at the moment, I find more time for board games than anything else because um, I've got a, an 18-month-old daughter and trying to find time to actually sit and paint models or, you know, set up mm. a decent gaming table. It's just a bit, bit of a rarity these days. So I, I kind of prefer a thing that I can take out of a box, set up, play for two to three hours and put away and that's that um so i've been playing a lot more board games than anything else recently and and i've got a lot of ideas for that sort of thing cool and so is is, they're sort of leading questions i guess these i mean (laughs) is 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 your so is your intention that you're going to self-publish or are you going to is it a 
case of writing stuff down, then pitching, or you know, doing it and going to Kickstarter is you know, it well, seems to be the trendy yeah. option. There are a few different routes, aren't there? At the moment? I think this this is the thing. Kickstarter um, in this industry, I think it's really livened things up um, for a few different reasons. So I was actually I was working with uh, Mantic Games when they were doing the uh, Dreadball Kickstarter. So I, I was a co-designer on Dreadball, and um, that was I think one of the the, the big uh, one of the first big uh, UK board game Kickstarters. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they'd had they'd been Kingdom Death, which which had passed I think a million dollars in the US, and that was massive and crazy, and nothing else touched that for a while. And then um, Mantic started doing Kickstarters, um, and never stopped really. And uh, but I think what that did was it really opened the doors, and there are so many small companies now that wouldn't exist if it weren't for Kickstarter being a thing. What's nice is that's then shown investors there is money in the industry, and so there's more people coming in and willing to fund projects. So I'm, in answer to your question, I'm not entirely sure. Um, initially, I'm doing a lot of freelance writing work, so I've got a couple of um, bits on the go for existing uh, companies and private people who – I can't talk about those projects, unfortunately, at the moment. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but there's things that um, – I'll be, you know, I'm writing the game to a brief supplied by them, but in the background, I'm working on about three or four games of my own, which hopefully by the end of the year, I'd like to actually start looking at a publisher, uh, whether that is self-publishing or, you know, uh, approaching someone else, because there are quite a few decent little board game and, you know, tabletop game publishers in the, in, in this country already, um, and I, I feel like I've got quite a few contacts around the industry now, so hmm. hopefully you know i'll be able to to get something off the ground so oh go on, matt i was just gonna so what is it that you've played from a board game point of view that has most inspired a, a kind of creative direction for you at the moment because we you know we have played some board games but we're predominantly yeah. sort of tabletop gamers um but yeah. what is it that's really kind of made you think oh that that i can develop on an idea or a concept or something in in the realm of a particular game that you've particularly yeah. enjoyed recently i think that there's a lot of stuff the, the, the ones that really interest me are the ones that kind of do something a bit, a bit different um so i mean the, the best probably the best board game i've played in the last uh, year or two is uh, pandemic legacy which i don't know mm-hmm. if, if you're familiar with it uh, it, it 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 takes kind of well, it really it takes the idea of a, a campaign, which you know, if, as a war gamer, it's a thing that you're familiar with, you know it, hmm. and it absolutely applies it to a, a board game, uh, you know, idea where you're you're playing through a, a story and it's progressing and it's, I mean, they do it brilliantly. You're opening up boxes uh, with new components in, you're sticking stickers in the rule book to add new sections. Really good fun. Um, and that what's interesting that that happened uh, that came out I think a year or two ago and it's mm. it's really influencing a lot of stuff the other way. So I know that there are um, I, I've seen uh, tabletop uh, like wargaming campaign systems that borrow elements from that sort of thing. It's it's an interesting mix, you know. Um, mm. But I've yeah I've mean, I've played quite a few games recently that that really they hit that nice uh, middle point between. The story side of things and the, and the, and the, you know, the mechanical crunch side of stuff. Yeah. Um, Star Wars Rebellion is a great game. Uh, it's a whopping great, intimidating seventy quid box from Fantasy Flight, which is, uh, I mean, you look at it and you think that's that's quite a, a, a big game. But then you, you get into it and you play. It plays in about two three hours, and mm. 
really cinematic really uh, lots of little moments that kind of you know really get get you excited and involved and to me that's what gaming's about you know it's about those bits where you, you're telling stories afterwards because a cool thing happened mm. and that's that's what i want to do in my games really that, that that's my hope anyway that certainly sort of ticks the pops from uh from <laughs> our that's certainly our, i mean if you if you've listened a little bit then, yeah, then yeah, you know yeah. that's kind of definitely that whole narrative Storytelling Absolutely. aspect is is really key to what sort of fires us up for gaming. Yeah. So on that uh, note, actually, I, I I hadn't heard of Gaslands until you mentioned it. I've looked it up. That looks really cool. Yes, yes, yeah, very the, much. The um, the lead designer of it is a friend of ours. Yeah, um, who has been he's been writing games forever, very much like yourself. Yeah. Um, mm. Uh, but he's been writing. He's been writing games forever, and yeah, that's coming out from Osprey in November, I think. That's yes. really cool. It feels like Osprey are really taking a, a leap at the moment. They're doing lots of um, stuff they wouldn't necessarily have done five, ten years ago. Yeah, which I think it's really nice to see. Yeah, I mean, when you, if, if people who troll back through the archive will realise that we are huge fans of Osprey. Yeah. Um, you know, the you can't get you, we you can't go wrong with a set of rules that costs you 12 quid and lets you use any figures that you want in your collection. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we're a big fan of things like yeah. Dragon Rampant and of Gods and Mortals and In Her Majesty's Name. And yes. All of those all of those sorts of things. You know, small, small to medium scale games. So, yeah. You know, 10 to 40 figure type things. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan generally of um, kind of the kind of game you can you can pick up, play it for a couple of months with with your friends, and and that's it. You know, it's quite self contained. I I, I love mm. the idea of that. Little things where you can you know pick up like say a rules pamphlet. I mean, when I, when I go around uh, Salute or UK Expo, I love looking at the, all the little weird and wonderful games. Picking up like a little pamphlet for a fiver. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. you can just go and give it a go, and 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 you'll you find some absolute hidden gems. Um, and I think that's it. Part part of being a gamer is having that you know that desire to create your own thing. I think every every gamer has got a game in them, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, every, I mean, everyone, yeah, given the opportunity, will write a game happily. Oh yeah, I mean, we have we have many. Um, yeah, Monster Smash being our latest, but that evil Gav Thorpe, who you probably know, <laughs> who you probably know, we've got um, cards. I should we should say. Um, as this episode will be going out today, um, we should say congratulations to Gav. Um, oh, we got the Gemmel, yeah, didn't we? On, on his Gemmel Award. Amazing. Um, which yeah, is fantastic. Well done, Gav. But it it sort of leads into it sort of leads into something else. In that a lot of a lot of the you know we have a lot of X Games Workshop design people come on the show, yeah. and um, a lot of them have got that that background of they're going to write go and write books. As a sort of a as sort of a safety net, um, but you don't you're not thinking that you're thinking let's go straight to games and yeah then... absolutely um, I've, I've I've never I've always liked writing I like writing uh, you know little bits of short form stuff I've I've never tackled a novel and I'd like to one day but it doesn't feel like I'm I wouldn't want to do that as a as my bread and butter, you know. Yeah. Uh, to me, mm. the, the game design's where it's it's really at. I find I find myself. It's usually when I'm when I'm driving. Um, I'll, I'll get an idea just for a game mechanic. It'll appear out of nowhere. Oh, you could you could do that. And I, I, before the days of uh, smartphones and things, I used to actually um, 
I had a friend, Ollie, who I would phone up and say, have you got a pen and paper? Can I just give you a quick a quick note? Because I, I wouldn't have anything to mm. take note on myself. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think my, my brain works in terms of, of game mechanics rather than you know narrative and stuff. Although I would love to do it one day. Yeah. I'd, it's not something that appeals to me, I must admit, is writing a, writing a novel. It's not, not my, I did, not my um, thing. I did a bit of a rewrite on a novel uh, when I was working at, uh, at Mantic. There was... Uh, a book that needed a, a bit of restructuring and things, and I was I was given uh, technically given a day to, to, to uh, make it publishable. I think it ended up taking about a week, but I, I quite enjoyed the sort of take, picking it apart, taking the structure, rebuilding it. You know that that was that was quite satisfying in its, in itself, and yeah. so I, I can see the appeal to it. But yeah, it's it's trying to find the time when there's so many other ideas that I want to get done. Yeah. So 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 let's let's talk. Ideas. Where, what your, what are your inspirations of what you're, you're, what you're thinking about? Obviously, don't say, oh, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to write, I'm going, to, this is the game I'm going to write because someone else will do it and it will be on Kickstarter yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, but, absolutely. You know, what, where, you, where do you draw your, your inspiration from? Are you, I mean, are you more a, um, a fantasy type uh, gamer, a sci-fi type gamer? Um, you know some historical period where, where do you draw, draw your your favorite inspirations from um it's all over i mean I, I think probably the biggest thing that gives me ideas is um you know watching films and things generally films or if, if i'm sat in one place watching a thing for a period of time uh, i'll start thinking oh that'd be a really cool game or you could do a thing with that you know so I, I don't tend to stick to one particular genre but um so for example last uh was it last weekend the weekend before i took my mum to watch the tennis for her birthday she's a big tennis fan i'm, I'm not you know tennis mm-hmm. is all right it's two people on, on a lawn um it seems fun but uh as i was sitting there watching it i was i was thinking oh there, there hasn't really been a tennis uh, tabletop game and, I, and and could you could you do some stuff with it because there is quite a lot to be you know played around with in that and that'll probably never happen but that's like an example of the process i, t- I tend to go through so i've got like a, a whiteboard up up here in in the studio <laughs> um, <laughs> which is covered in uh just little nuggets of ideas um mm. And they've often come from I'll have been watching a film or playing a video game or even just having a discussion with someone about something entirely different, and it will just trigger a thing. Um, when it comes to setting, um, I'm quite fluid with that. I mean, the things I've done for Games Workshop, obviously, have, they've, they've had a, a setting pre-established, but when I think of my own games, I tend to think of, well, what's, what's the best setting for this this mechanic or this idea mm. um so yeah i'm not not really particularly beholden to one you know thing which is quite nice cool okay but uh i've got to say if i mean yeah I mean, like i say with with gaslands i think the post-apocalyptic vehicle combat game that's that's just a no-brainer that's that's going to be cool just because of the, because of the setting you know yes uh, yeah I, and I, it, I, it plays yeah. really it plays really nicely as well When's it coming out? Do you know? November. November. So it's out in November. We were lucky because we know Mike. Um, yeah. When we did Dacon last year, he brought it along and, and was probably in a, in a fairly advanced beta state at that point, but was still flexing some stuff around for the rules. So uh, yeah. we were able to have a, a good play with it, and it is, I guess, in a similar in a similar way to what you were just talking about. It it looks like he's had some 
some great ideas for mechanics from all over the place. You know, and, yeah. Well, well I, I, guess... I saw. Oh, sorry, I, I saw his his website. He's got a list of of things that have inspired him, and yeah. uh, it's it's quite a broad ranging uh, set of things there. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, it's... I, and I guess to a degree, it does hit a problem that um, was going to sort of be a next question of yeah. how mindful are you when you're because you you sort of say you're thinking around mechanics and quite often something will pop in your head. How mindful are you of? when you have an idea and then wondering how derivative or where it's come mm. from or how is it a kind of a subconscious copy of something else or do you just say yeah no I'm with, I'm with you it's, it, mine it's, now. it's a really interesting, interesting thing actually because um there's been a bit of rumbling about this in the in the board games industry recently I don't know if you heard about this there was there's a uh, a board game called uh bang it's a wild west uh dice-based game and about two years ago uh, and I'm going to get some details wrong here, so people will probably correct me on online. Um, a separate company um, basically lifted the entire rulebook to the game, reskinned a few elements, and re-released it. So they they changed the settings, like I think it was a Chinese dynasty uh, era sort of thing. Mm. But the actual the game itself, the, the manual was word for word identical, and uh, it went to the courts. And uh, in America, the courts decided that you can't copyright game mechanics, uh, which was really weird. Um, they said if, they, if there'd been any reuse of artwork or icons or symbols, that would have been one thing. But because it was because um, it's visually different, it, it, it mm. can class as a, as, a, as a ripoff. And I imagine uh, that probably stems from things like, you know, you see a million versions of Monopoly or Scrabble or that sort of thing. Mm. That's probably where it's come from. And, it, and there isn't a precedent. Uh, which is suitable for the, the modern board games industry. But so, that, so that, that's one thing. So I, I, I never worry about, you know, being sued for copying a mechanic. That, that's not a thing I think that people should worry about. What I find though for, for myself though, is I don't like the feeling of being derivative. Um, hmm. So if, if I, if I do a thing, um, well, for, for example, there's a game that I've been working on probably on and off since I was a teenager. Um, that's where the initial idea came from. Uh, I actually I pitched it to Games Workshop in the you know, the naivety of youth. You know, I'll, I'll send them this idea and it'll be the best thing ever and they'll take me on board and they'll, they'll think I'm wonderful. Um, and I got a very polite letter back from uh, Andy Chambers, which I've still got, saying uh, thank you but no. Uh, but that was a um, it was a, like a bike racing combat game and that's a thing that I've uh, I've kind of you know, tinkered with it. it. It started off as a, you know, it was a Warhammer 40,000 alike uh, sort of thing. So you were measuring things with a tape measure and that. Mm. Uh, over the years, it's, it's adapted into more of a, a straight board game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was disheartened when I found out there's a game called uh, Russian Crush, which is a, uh, that's Rush and Crush, not Russian Crush, uh, yeah. which is a, a racing game. And it used a very similar mechanic uh, for a certain part of it. And I thought, oh no, people are going to think that if I come out with this, I've, I've ripped that off. Um, but I think that there's a lesson that uh, I learned from uh, the legend that is Alessio Cavatore. Uh, he said that a lot of the time there are only so many ways to, to simulate a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're thinking of, I think in this case it was a, um, a system for bikes going fast around corners. There are only so many ways you can really model that in a in a tabletop game, and so as long as the rest of your game is not uh, you know completely derivative, you can get away with one or two mechanics that are fairly familiar. Hmm. Uh, 
I think a great example is um, hit mechanics in you know tabletop war games. You look at um, you know Warhammer Forty Thousand um, and Warhammer. They they have the you roll to hit, you roll to wound, which um, that kind of comes from D and D and role playing initially, uh, which mm-hmm. goes back. You can you can yeah you can trace it further and further back. But no one looks at a war game that has uh, a two hit and a two wound mechanic and thinks, oh that's just that's just Warhammer or something. So there's de- there's definitely scope to to borrow ideas. Yeah, I'd say. No, that's cool. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, yeah. In fairness, there's there's only so many ways you can roll yeah. dice or, or flip it. cards yeah. and and make <laughs> it entirely unique. Yeah. Although when you, when you do get to come up with something that is completely you know, bafflingly out there and it's it's really unique, sometimes that can be really cool and it can it, that can kind of be the thing around which your your game is based. A lot of the time, that's really indulgent and ends up being really clunky and useless. Uh, and the real skill is working out which one of those it's going to be and mm. if it's a bit naff, dropping it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the it's gamers like familiarity, don't they? Exactly. You, you can try to reinvent the wheel, or you can just go. Actually, you know what? We'll, we'll have hit points. Hit points are fine. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we're we're big. Um, one of our big games that we play is Malifaux. Yes. And of course, one of the the um, the barriers of acceptance of that game, not so much now, but certainly yeah. three or four years ago, were where's the dice? Yeah, absolutely. You, <laughs> deck of cards? What? That that can't be right. You know. Um, but it's great because what I love with that was that was a, a an, an idea which it, a gave it quite a unique selling point. You know, it was oh, it's it's the game that has cards, but also it fit the theme really nicely. So that that's a win win, really. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you playing at the moment? Um. Well, bits and pieces. So I'm kind of I'm just still recovering from the the development cycle of uh, just playtesting every spare minute i had for the the various things i was working on for games workshop um i've always said that the easy part of writing a game is writing the game actually getting the words down on paper is like step one and the difficult part is then uh you know polishing it repeatedly so playtesting is really it's such a vital thing and you can never do enough of it whatever you Mm. do um and so until until i left uh games workshop uh Oh, over a week ago now. Um, <laughs> I, I've not really kind of settled back into regular gaming because I was, I was spending so much time, uh, you know, locked in a room watching two people play a game and taking notes, scratching their head and going, why isn't that working? Um, although I've got a lot of stuff on the go. So I've got like a little um, Black Scorpion uh, Old West uh, posse, if you like, mm-hmm. that I've, I've had on a painting table for a while. I want to get back back to them. What are you going to um, What, what rule set are you going to use? So I don't know. I'm really interested in uh, Tombstone, which is the one they're putting out, aren't they? Which yes. is uh, based around Cutlass, which I think that that, that was Gav, wasn't that it? That was Gav, yeah. Has, has he written Tombstone as well? I think the I, I think the engine is lifted from Cutlass. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that comes out. I've not seen if they've actually released a, 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 like a set of rules yet. Um, but the... I like the fact that Black Scorpion have put out a, a, a rule set because I've always loved their models, you know? Yeah. Mm. They do a really nice um, set of stuff, especially since they moved to, to resin because I've got a load of the old metal stuff, but then uh, I, don't know, I, I don't know what it is. I like metal models for the weight, but I like resin models for everything else, uh, which obviously is a contentious point and some people may disagree with me. But uh, Well, you can, no, always I, add, I, you can always add weight in the base. 
Exactly. Yeah, I've got mm-hmm. so many models with pennies stuck underneath, you know, and that's because that, that's what you want, isn't it, really? But Left. Uh, yeah, precisely. The main reason I like um, resin really is uh, it doesn't chip anywhere near as badly, you know. Yeah. So many of my, my metal models from you know back when I had lots of those, uh, they're just they're so messy now that to get them back to a gaming standard would take so much work. I know I'll never get around to doing it, and that's quite sad. Um, but yes, yeah, so I've got some some old West stuff. But actually, that started when I was um, I was working at a war game show, and the next stall over was Foreground. Yep. And they had mm-hmm. all their stuff, and oh, you can't stand close to that and not want to get involved, you know. Yeah. It's uh, beautiful stuff. They have, I've got the, uh, the little set of gallows with a little lever you can do it. And the trap door drops, which mm-hmm. is entirely useless from a gaming point of view, but it's so cool, you know. Um, so yeah, I've got, got that. I've got uh, a little Frostgrave warband that I'm uh, keen to get done because I want to play some games of that. That's. It. Have you played it before? I've not. I've re- read the book. I've got a few friends that play it, and uh, I've just not actually had a chance to get around to giving it a go yet. Yeah. Well, have you guys given it much of a go? Yeah, we we played it quite a lot um, when it came out. Um, yeah, it's it's good. It's fun. You have to go in with the right mindset because it's a single D twenty system. Yes. Um, it can be incredibly swingy, and yeah. and there are certain builds of spells that you can put together that basically mean you will just win. Yeah, I've heard this. Um, but if you're playing with the right, I mean, what we do, we don't. When we build our Frostbite crews or any crew for any game, actually, we what yeah. we do is we put it together with the story in mind. So, yeah, um, what spells you you know? So if we're building a necromancer, you're not gonna. Have, we don't do a necromancer and then give them the, the all these are the uber spells that will make you win. Yeah, um, I think that that's the right approach for that kind of game because I think you have to play it in the, in the kind of the spirit it's intended, don't you? Because that's that's where the design mm-hmm. you know focus will have been. And I think a game like Frostgrave is. It, it, you can tell by reading it and just from everything around it, it's not designed to be a hardcore competitive, you know, win at all costs kind of game. The story has really got to be a, a strong part of it. Yeah, it's good. It It is good. The um... Yeah, it's a good, enjoyable, it's a good, enjoyable game. Um, but it, it does fit into what, what you kind of high, uh, discussed earlier or made the point of earlier. It's a great game that you can pick up and play for a couple of months yes. and then put aside. You're not invested hundreds of pounds into it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no guilt of, you know, putting that dozen figures up in the cabinet and then perhaps not touching them for six months. Yeah. Because, you know, other than the, the time invested to paint, fiscally, you know, it's not a massive investment. And yeah. you know, that, I think that's why a lot of those games that we play and the reason why we are as flighty as we are is because <laughs> so many of those games, you know, 30 or 40 quids and yeah. you've got everything you need. So... You, you can it. bounce around fairly well. And yeah, like I mean, you say, I mean, once you've painted them, you get them on your shelf, and then rather than it being a thing of, oh, I never play with that, that can almost become like a little little memento of that, that, that fun couple of months you yeah. had. You know? Yeah. Well, and often what we find is that you get the same figures out for a new rule set when it comes out. So yes. case, in, case in point being Tombstone. So last just last week, um, we played Dead Man's Hand. I was going to mention Dead Man's Hand. That, that's the other one that I'm keen to try out. I haven't played it yet. But okay, I, I like well, it, but... Dead Man's Dead Man Hand is, at the moment, our go-to Wild West rule set. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, is that, is that, it uses cards in some way, doesn't it? Yes. So you, you basically have a half deck of playing cards, uh-huh. um, and they, you get both a control hand, because the, each card has abilities on it, 
and it's yeah. your initiative mechanism as well because you deal them all out to your um models face down and then flip them and then, oh, you, work, then right. you work down and so it burns through the deck but the the use of the deck also acts as a time limit on the game so certain scenarios will be once you've been through the deck once yeah. that's the end of the game i like that it's a very be- it's a very good mechanic um and what it leads to is very cinematic gaming yeah yeah definitely um so we had if a... by cinematic you mean all of your men die. <laughs> well, all of my men didn't die. No, but mine did. So except that one fella. We so we have we had out we we um Matt uses Mexicans and I use outlaws. Um and we were playing a game last week and the outlaws have an ability of cheating that enables them once again to cheat and so they can switch all the initiative cards around. Oh, that's really cool. But you have to say, but you, but in the rule book it says you say it with a with a smile and a glint, a glint <laughs> in your eye. Um, but that, so so we played Dead Man's Hand, and that's the first time we played Dead Man's Hand in probably six to eight months. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, took it off the shelf, played. Um, it will probably go away again. But those figures, you know, you're saying when Tombstone comes out, yeah. It's the same mm. figures that come. The other one that I'm looking forward to is um, Dracula's America. Oh, I've not heard of that. It's on. It's on. No, it's on. It's not on Kickstarter. It's on. It's from North Star Games. Okay. Um, uh, Nick at North Star Games is running one of his Nick Starter things, where basically, you know, it's a pre-order. Right. A pre-order, yeah. but more people that pre-order, the more freebies you get. Um, yeah. It's sort of. Have you seen the movie Legion? Uh, is that the one with I'm trying to think? Is that the one with, with uh, the apocalypse and it's all biblical and there's, there's the archangel Paul Gabriel? Be- Paul Bettany, Bettany that's the angel. one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If you took that movie and made it Wild West, <laughs> that appears that appears to be what this is. So there are there are angel cowboys and things, but that's Dracula is yeah. Dracula. Um, Dracula has transplanted himself to America instead of. Uh, Kim Newman's um, Anno Dracula type yes. universe. He's it's instead Dracula's in America, but same sort of thing happening yeah. with it. I've just, I've just had a little Google that looks really cool. It's got an amazing opening line. It's it is 1875, and Count Dracula is president of the United States of America. That's amazing. <laughs> I want to yeah. play that straight away. Yeah, yeah. it's mean, a good it's, hook. It's cool. It's, it's cool, isn't it? So again, but again, cowboys. So yeah. the same figures will come off the shelf. Yeah, um, that's and that, it. That, that's what we do. I mean, I have so many mo- models that are doing double, triple duty across, yeah, game, yeah. across game systems as we decide, you know, oh, we haven't played this for a while. Um, yeah. So... And, and, and why not? You know, when, when, when there are so many games out there, you yeah. know, it's nice to kind of have like a... Uh, almost like a, a cast of characters you know you've got your your various miniatures in your collection you can just take a few out and, and use those i think that, that's brilliant yeah so i mean post-apocalyptic is another of our favorites um yeah and we've got three or four different rule sets that we flip between and you've got the new fallout game that's coming out at the end of the year yes. um yeah. and you know we'll certainly pick it up and but whether that whether that rule set becomes our rule set of choice or not is actually irrelevant because the models that we've got already we'll use in that game to play with it and then models that come from that game will get used in other post-apocalyptic rule sets. Absolutely. Um, That's it. I mean, that looks quite interesting. They've put a few little details out, haven't they, the last few days? I about quite the, like uh, the, the idea of the coloured range sticks. I thought that yes. was quite a clever mechanic. Yeah. 
nice way of doing that. It's the things that always, um, in a lot of miniatures games, the things that always kind of trip the designers up, in, in my experience, are kind of range and line of sight mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, line of sight especially. Um, that Because as much as it's very easy to go, true line of sight is the way forward, or to abstract it and go, you know, terrain completely blocks and you draw lines and things. No one will ever be fully satisfied. You'll never get a hundred percent hit rate on your line of sight. Mm. <laughs> but you know, when you're playing amongst friends, you can fudge it, can't you? Yes, yes. It's, it's my my particular bugbear is elevation. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, get rules. Rule sets never. It's it's always some sort of hack on yeah. on how you measure distances when people are up in buildings and things. Yeah. And it's it's one of those weird things where when you're actually playing a game, it's often a thing that you'll just kind of instinctively do in a certain way. Um, but there's never a rule set that seems to completely nail it down exactly how it should work. Um, and when they do, they're incredibly wordy. And you know, it's it's one of those strange things, things isn't it? Really? Yeah, the joys of physics and trigonometry. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And Matt's not Matt's not very good at maths, so. He gets confused, don't you, Matt? I generally walk through life in a state of confusion about <laughs> most things, if I'm honest. I, I think the less you need to use a calculator in a tabletop game, the happier I am, generally. <laughs> mm. yeah. Keep it simple where possible, you know? Cool. Well, I think, yeah. that's, I think that sort of brings us to the end of this episode. I think it does. Um, thank you so oh, much for coming on, James. This has been absolutely brilliant. Well, no, thank you for having me. It's been, it's been a, good, uh, a good chat, really. I've enjoyed myself. Good, good. And if I'm sure you... we'll put it in the show. I'm sure we'll put it in the show notes. But just for coming in people's ears, you are on the Twitters. As, I am indeed. Is it, um, at it is... Needy Cat Games, is it? Or... Yeah, all one word. Okay, at it's Needy like Cat I've Games. I've done a researcher or, or something. Isn't it? <laughs> or you've got it. Or you've just done it just now. No, it's in my head. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Twitter. I've I've got a Facebook page as well, which people can find by searching Needy Cat Games. I chose the name because if you Google it. Nothing else really comes up, you see. There's some, some cunning planning going on there. Um, but yeah, if you just Google Needy Cat Games, you'll find me in various different places. I've just liked you. Oh, look! Mark, <laughs> Bed- Mark Bedford likes you as well. Isn't that nice? He's he one is, of the nicest men. In he is He is very nice, even though his movie his movie choices are not the best. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very interesting point on which to finish. Why? So... Oh, I see. What are your views on Chris Nolan's The Dark Knight? So The Dark Knight, I think, is a very good film. I like it. It's good. You've gone silent, and I'm now concerned. No, 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 no. That's fine. The the follow-up question is, what do you think of Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker? Uh, I would say it's the best thing in the film. You're, I would... oh, oh, the best thing in the film. Okay, no, best thing in the film. Yeah. I think it's a very good performance. I think it was a very different take on the Joker, but I really like it. And James is wrong. <laughs> I think he, he sounds both handsome and intelligent. Well, we'll find what... out. What do you think of Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Uh... That you noise know. is enough. <laughs> that, that pretty much sums up how we felt. Yeah. It was definitely a film. I was in a cinema watching a film. I can't deny that. 
Um, <laughs> it lasted about as long as a film normally lasts. Oh, did, um, you, did you not think yeah. it lasted longer or just seemed <laughs> yeah. like it did? <sighs> but my, 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 my timekeeping apparatus told me it lasted as long as a film normally lasts. Um, yeah, I've got some opinions about that film. They, they, sound, sound, they, sound like they, they sound like they're probably correct. So, <laughs> we should depart. Um, Excellent. James, yeah. thank, you, thank you so much. It's been brilliant. Maybe I'll come back sometime. Who knows? Oh, we, 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 would love it. we would love to have you. you know, if, you when, if you've got something that you want to talk about or something that you want to plug or you've got a game, you've, you've got a game coming out, we would love to have you back on the show. Good stuff. Um, well, thank you very much, guys. That's fantastic. Um, so until next time, I've been Mike. It's your turn, James. Oh, I've been James. I thought it was uh, right, We didn't explain that to James at the beginning. It's all right. This will be seamless in the edit. <laughs> you won't edit it. No, we'll I just won't. leave it as clunky and, and awkward. <laughs> it's, it's gonzo podcasting. That's the, the yes. way forward. And I've been the Joker. You're an idiot. Bye-bye. You can contact Fools Daily on Twitter, we're at Fools Underbar Daily, or via email, foolsdaily at outlook.com. <laughs>